0: them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This
1: is the Four Horsemen podcast. How about that? Right in. I guess that's why they call it Sin City. We're back (laughs) for another week of the Four Horsemen podcast. It's your host, P-Wagon, joined by Steve, a Steve who had two weddings in three days. So he is playing with his Jordan flu game right now. And Dylan uh, will not be making an appearance tonight. He is probably drunk uh, in Ireland, as he was this weekend. Uh, So before we get into everything, Steve, how are you?
0: i'm crawling to the finish line here amigo
1: what a perfect way to start a podcast (laughs) from a game in vegas we have one guy who is chipper as ever and the other who is uh, hungover it's the dichotomy of a flight to or from vegas
0: yeah yeah uh just weddings are great but there there reaches a point where there's just too many and i am uh um, um, this is I just completed my seventh and eighth weddings of the year this past weekend. And my ninth and final wedding of the year will be uh, Clemson weekend, November fifth. So I have a month left, and then I'm just shutting it down. I'm just going full hibernation mode, and I never want to leave my house ever again.
1: I have one in Houston in December. <laughs> Uh doesn't matter for Notre Dame. They won't be playing that weekend. I think it's like conference championship weekend. But uh, yeah, one more for me. That'll be eight on the year. All not close either.
0: Oh, God. Why did we do this to ourselves?
1: So if anyone's getting married, make sure it's not a destination wedding. We are. At, I, I would say we're an anti-destination wedding podcast.
0: I got married in a destination.
1: <laughs> One half of this podcast is an anti-destination wedding. <laughs> Fair enough. You
0: got All married right.
1: Tampa, didn't you? I'm sorry. Didn't you get married in Tampa?
0: No, I got married in Maine. That's not
1: a destination.
0: It's a day trip. Cool. Coastal Maine, yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was, you know, a two-hour drive for me, four-hour drive for most of my friends and family.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a day trip. I'm talking about like Key Largo.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. It depends because, like, I have I have a wedding in twenty 2024 in uh, in France, and like, oh that, no. Yeah, but it's not in Paris. So, like that that could be cool. It's going to be in the countryside. Like, I don't want to go to Paris. Paris sucks. That's fair. Uh, so anyway,
1: that is <laughs> Life Talk with P-Wagon and Steve. Uh, I, just start the clock. I'm annoyed, and I, I really just want to get this out. It has nothing to do with Notre Dame football, but I just need to talk about it. Hike. Uh, I'm from New York, and where I'm from in New York, you can get a deli or a diner. With You throw a stone, you're going to hit four of them. I live somewhere now in New England where I can't find a deli to save my life. I went to Jersey Mites tonight, and yeah, they have online ordering, and yeah, it's a sub above. It's a good sandwich, but they're so incompetent in there. This podcast was supposed to start at 7 p.m. I went there at 6.30 to pick up my sandwiches. They weren't ready. I said, when when may they be ready? The online site says 6.32. He said, oh, we don't know. I said, what? You're just not going to make my sandwiches for a little bit? You're just going to leave it out in the ether and guess when you're going to get them done? It, it, It would never happen at a deli. I don't have a good deli around here. There's one across the river that I can go to, but it's not open when I need dinner. And I'm just flustered right now. I had a good sandwich. But it's just, there's no sense of time. There's no sense of accountability. They have no clock management at this specific Jersey Mike's, and I'm flustered.
0: You should write a strongly worded letter to corporate and let them know about your experience,
1: well, like my you, experience I'm gonna, I'm gonna with shipsticks
0: a couple I'm, of months ago. We
1: am going to have to talk to Jersey Mike. Get, get, him, yeah. get him on the horn. Um, yeah.
0: No.
1: If you live in New England, find a deli. If you want to make a billion dollars, open up a New York-style deli in New England, and you'll be a billionaire for life.
0: I would love billion, uh, I oh, a billion a dollars, personally, because I have not a billion dollars.
1: That's all I'm looking for, just a common yeah. deli.
0: I, I have some solid delis by me up in the North Shore of Massachusetts, um, something worth noting. Um, but what I don't have is a billion dollars. I, I have the, the utter and complete opposite of a billion dollars. That, that would be very nice to have that, though. Um, so as for my rant, <clears throat> if you are on the highway... And you are traveling in the left lane and you are going, let's say the speed limit is 60 miles an hour and you're going 65 miles an hour. But the people in the right two lanes are also going 65 miles an hour and you're not passing them. And there's people behind you that extremely, obviously, very clearly would like to go faster than 65 miles an hour. You know, you could just move over to the fucking right lane. You could just do it, right? Because the person behind you might have just had two weddings in three days and is a you know, a, a shell of a human being, and all they would like to do is drive just a little bit faster to get home so they can crawl into bed and die for the next week and a half. So if you're in the left lane and you're not passing someone, get the fuck out of the way. finn
1: i agree i have one more thing Uh, i have nothing to add to that uh, discourse because i'm a right lane driver i i notoriously am not a good driver uh so we're quite the opposite humans there um i don't understand and this is a lot on social media right now when people will say come in fill in the blank usually username w or l plus ratio I, i i just don't get it i i I think the Internet's passed me by, Steve.
0: <laughs> we, yeah, none of that run... makes any sense to me. So I would just be an old man yelling at a cloud if I tried to I, understand I it.
1: Just, I don't get it. The Internet's passed me by. We run a moderately successful Twitter account, and there are just so many arguments on there that I read. and I'm like, I don't understand what people are saying. I'm just going to let it go. So that's uh,
0: that's it. So that's the only thing you can do is just like let let the things just pass you by and just move on and and hold on to the things that really count.
1: Can I can I say one more thing before we get into actual football topics?
0: While we're on it, might as well.
1: (laughs) Notre Dame fans, not not all, not not the majority. There's a very vocal minority here. They're very mean to every opponent fan base that we have. Like there was a BYU fan that complained that there was no signage of BYU at the game, the Vegas game. That made sense. Hey, you know, it was a shamrock series it's the Notre Dame game. You would have thought that he insulted the our lady of victory. You would think he would have insulted the, the entire golden dome. He peed on the grotto. Like you would think that he did that the way these fans were reacting to him. like, it's not hard to be nice and have polite discourse on the internet, but there's just so many people out there, not a ton, but the vocal ones. They're just so rude. and it makes the wider majority of the fan base look bad as a whole. So that's all. My friend
0: you might have just uh, actually inadvertently described American politics. So that's a good one.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Anyway, uh,
0: <laughs> so topic. you're saying that human beings are assholes and, uh, you know, the, all. the very small minority will will make everybody look bad all at once. Gee, if only that didn't apply to every single scenario, whether it be football, politics or everything well, else in between.
1: <laughs> we are on nine minutes of just rants right now. This is more of a therapy <laughs> session than it is of a podcast.
0: This uh, is actually an existential breakdown for me. So you know, at least everyone gets to listen to it in real time.
1: Oh, that's that's fun. Uh, I have another thing that I'm mad about, but it's football-related this time. Okay, final one, and then we gotta go. (laughs) No, this is one of our topics today. The Rage Eye Award.
0: Okay, this I can get behind. Continue, sir.
1: The Rage Eye Award may actually be my mortal enemy right now. The Rage Eye Award, for those of you who don't know, is presented to the... Top college punter of the year by Justice Sports. Uh, so Justice Sports Council is the uh, the ones who presumably run their Twitter account. They list the following criteria for selection: net average, the percentage of total punts inside the 20-yard line, and the percentage of punts that are not returned. John Sott, never heard of him. He ranks number six in the net average, and he's first in punts inside the 20 and not returned. So sits one and one. There's the top 20. I averaged this out today. He's 42.8 sits average. 54.55% of his punts are inside the 20. 72.73 of them are not returned. Six of them returned for sixty two yards. One was at big one against BYU. The other ones were all single digits. He only had one return over ten yards. He's not on the list. Him, Mark Vassett from Louisville, and Clayton Stewart from Wyoming aren't on the list. Mark Vassett and Clayton Stewart can take a hike. The Ray Guy Award is doing a disservice to Ray Guy if they do not put him on the list.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, he's just, uh, uh, once again, John sought to to hype up the homies and, and to now officially go full bore on what is now a crusade for the Four Horsemen podcast. When he's b- backed into his own, you know, territory deep, he just quite simply punts the ball out of the stadium and then it lands finally all the way back in, like, the red zone on the other side of the field somehow. So he just launches, like a nuclear missile. And then when he's at midfield and the, you know, the drive stalls out, but it just doesn't make sense to go on fourth down instead of hitting a nuke. He just hits a pinpoint precision, you know, drone strike, just like, you know, just coffin corners it or, or drops it just absolutely flawlessly, you know, inside the 20 and it's not returnable and it has plenty of hang time. He's just the epitome of a fantastic punter that is, single-handedly dominating the field position game for the Irish, helping to set them up for wins. It's, so if that's not like a an MVP caliber punter for the Ray Guy Award, then just throw out the award because like the st- the stats are there, but even if you just use your eyeballs, the kid just has it. So, uh, yeah, with this, something fucky is going on.
1: I, I don't want this to be a weird... We're in love with John Sott. We are. But if we can see this, and, you know, we didn't really get into Ray Guy Award watch until this year, uh, despite my best efforts last year, I I don't know what's happening. I'm trying literally everything that I can to drum up something from them. Ray Guy, you're not going to listen to this. The Ray Guy Award, Augusta Sports, whoever I need to talk to, tell me who I'm emailing. I will email, and I will present my case. Because it's an injustice if he doesn't make the list. They just released the raise 8 for this week's games. Mind you, he had one tackle. He had two punts the entire game. Didn't make the list (laughs) again. Do we need to have a game where he punts 17 times? Like, what what do we need to do as a fan base to get him on some type of list?
0: We're just going to continue to bang the drum. And eventually, if we make enough noise then they're going to have to listen to us because the kid is too talented not to get the recognition he deserves.
1: 100%. Just get him on the list, and then we'll figure it out from there. Agreed. So, now we're on to BYU. What to say about the Shamrock series? What to say? 10-0 or
0: 11-0 and 0 11 all time. 11-0. Uh,
1: I thought the product, the field itself, Very cool. Uh, I would have preferred it to be played on grass, but that's just me. And I think we have a lot to talk about the game. The product on television was very cool to see. It was the loudest game I've ever listened to as a fan. Uh, I think that's because of the stadium is designed to be louder. Uh, But what were your thoughts about the, the game itself before we get into numbers and all that?
0: Yeah, it, it was exceptionally loud, and I think that's definitely designed because uh, it came in somewhere in the neighborhood of about sixty five, sixty three thousand fans, somewhere like that. And uh, from the responses that we've got on Twitter from uh, from our our you know loyal fans, <clears throat> uh, is you know it was somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty twenty Notre Dame, you know eighty five fifteen something like that. Um, so you're you're talking maybe let's call it 000, fifty five thousand, fifty thousand Notre Dame fans where normally we have 88,000 somewhere in that neighborhood at Notre Dame stadium. So, um, it, you know, obviously it being an enclosed stadium is going to ha- help amplify it, but yeah, it was very loud. And, you know, on those big plays on that JT Moss touchdown on mayor's touchdowns, like the place was exploding. So it was very loud. Uh, and it was great. And and I think this is, again, you know, this is an opportunity to raise the recruiting profile and, you know, you're, you're looking at this on national television, sin city under the lights, you know, unbelievable stadium at, in prime time, I, well, not prime time. Cause that was what, no, no, that was a seven thirty game. Yes. Yeah, so yep. That's prime time. Like that's, you know, these, uh, Marcus Freeman said it himself. This is, this is why you come to Notre Dame is to play in, in games like this. And yeah, I mean, okay. It was number 14 overall BYU, but, um, we have the hardest schedule in, in, in college football. So if people think that us beating BYU is like a, a diss, I don't know. It, it's probably because you are on the West Coast and maybe watch two football games per year but claim to be a diehard fan of a dog shit program in a dying city. But that's just me.
1: Are you calling out USC right there?
0: You Nothing gets by you, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you know... Oh, you come to Notre Dame to play you uh, to play BYU. You're mid. First of all, I don't know what mid means. Second, of all, <laughs> second of all, sell a fucking game out, you idiots. I'm sorry for swearing, mom. Uh, like they couldn't sell out a game against Rice, and they're supposed to be the, this up and coming team with Lincoln Riley. No, like. <laughs> You're the same old USC. You have a seven-on-seven offense, but you don't have a defense. You don't have a run game, and you don't have a run defense. So when Notre Dame puts 50 up on you, sorry, not sorry. Facts. So let's get into the game. Michael Mayer. There you go. There's, There's the game recap right there. Michael Mayer in the offensive line two hundred and twenty thirty four Russian yards, five point two yards per carry. No sats on the quarterback. Drew Pine looking better each week. Uh, Drew Pine being a little bit of a magician. And uh, like you said before, Jaden Thomas. Hello.
0: Welcome. Welcome to the JT train
1: to talk about the good. You also have to talk about the bad before we get to the good. Uh, they gave a big plays to Cody Epps, Christopher Brooks. They failed a fourth down conversion. They failed a two point conversion. Pine through an interception. It may have been tipped. Uh, they allowed 5.5 yards per carry. And that third and 18. Uh, that was all bad. But the bad does not outweigh the good. Uh, the fourth down stop. Tariq Bracey's first Notre Dame interception of the year. Prince Collie getting a sack. John Sott, two punts and a tackle. Blake Rupi, perfect on the day. Overall, we did a very good job. Michael Mayer had 11 receptions for 118 yards and two receiving touchdowns. And uh, Jason Adamilola and uh, NOM, not on four tackles, and that game ceiling, fourth down stop. Uh, and we even had a safety. When's the last time you've seen a Notre Dame safety?
0: I feel like we're good for maybe one a year, but or maybe one every two or three years. So it's... It's pretty rare, I and mean, yeah, it's it's definitely less than one per season.
1: Oh, that, those are just you know the things that happened during the game. Drew Pine looked very good out there. Uh, do you have any any stats that we should uh we should talk about
0: here? Uh, the ninety four point four QBR from Drew Pine. Now ninety four point four people might think that that's a passer rating. No, QBR is on a scale from one to a hundred. So the fact that he's coming in at a 94.4 QBR, um, Drew Pine is balling out. Drew Pine is stepping up to what he always built himself to be, and he's filling the shoes of a winner, of a scrappy underdog, and it's making me fall in love with him. 5'10, 200 pounds out of Connecticut. He's, sh- you know, he's on the shorter side, obviously. Um, he's not a, a freak athlete, like some of the other, you know, m- dual threat QBs that have come out of college football in the last couple of years, or even just pure pocket passers. But he just finds a way to get it done. He sat back in that pocket several times. He was bouncing up and down, just, you know, the offensive line, giving him the time. Thank God the offensive line. I mean, give them all of the, uh, accolades and and you know pats on the back that they deserve they kept him clean and he didn't even when it, he was sitting in the pocket for like two three seconds he kept his eyes downfield he looked and saw what was going through went through his reads on two different plays he was in the pocket for over four seconds when he found jt on that big crossing route and then also um he had a big third down to uh, to obviously you know michael mayer who was the machine all day so but staying in the pocket, looking downfield, and then when he had to scramble, the one scramble of the day on third down and four, he gets five yards. When he would have probably got caught up right at the line, uh, right at the first down marker, he contorts his body and uh, and is able to make an athletic football move to get that extra yard, keep the drive alive, and keep the Irish in the game. So, I mean, Drew Pine deserves a lot of love because he's really coming into his own. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love Tyler Buckner, uh, but at this point, you got to say we are, we are officially a two QB program and, you know, one's injured and, and one is, is taking the reins and really moving forward. And it's, you know, next year, next spring and summer, it's going to turn into a, a heated battle in camp. But I think this is a net positive because this is truly going to be iron sharpens iron competition, bringing the cream to the crop. A cream of the crop to the top, whatever the, whatever, you know, the hell you want to say, whatever sayings there are out there. This is, it's just been a very pleasant thing to, to see. And, you know, Tom Reese, who's also the QB coach on top of the OC, uh, he got a lot of heat earlier in the year, you know, also a pat on the back for Tom Reese because he's setting up his quarterback for success. So there's a lot of things working and clicking right now at all the right moments, and this is a hot Notre Dame football team.
1: You know, the, the funny thing you said there is he was a scrappy underdog from Connecticut. Uh, he's from New Canaan, Connecticut, where uh, not, not many people
0: are referred to as I underdog. mean, he's extremely wealthy, yes. I, <laughs> I get that. I'm talking in the pure athleticism no, sense. <laughs> I,
1: I know, but also, be just to talk about that point, he was like the number six most sought after quarterback when he was in eighth grade like he 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 wasn't a he's not the traditional Ian Book three-star prospect like if you look at Drew Pine on his 24-7 and you, you look at where he got offers from overall let me just let me throw some numbers at you and Dylan's going to uh, drop when he hears me start reading these numbers he was a uh, 0.91 four star prospect from 24 7 ran 225th nationally 8th pro style quarterback number two in connecticut he had offers from let me tell you he had offers from and we're gonna read this here. go on notre dame hmm. notre, oklahoma, oklahoma arizona syracuse Ohio State, Penn State, Auburn, Miami, Ole Miss, page two, Mizzou, Alabama, Florida State, and South Alabama.
0: Yeah, pretty,
1: pretty, pretty pretty good there. That's all. Just wanted, wanted to get that out there. He is an underdog. He is undersized. Uh, I would like to him to roll out of the pocket a little bit more uh, and utilize that space so uh, balls don't get batted down. Uh, but overall, uh, he, he's a dude. And next year, I'm not looking forward to that quarterback competition uh, because it is going to be one. Uh, I would hate to run a two-quarterback system. We really want one one guy to shine. So. Uh, I don't know which way it goes as of right now. Drew Pine's my quarterback, and Tommy Reese is my offensive coordinator. Uh,
0: agreed. And and then just to put things into perspective, uh, on as an all-time commit for Notre Dame, he is right in between Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser. So uh, Zaire was a zero point nine three, uh, and for recruiting uh, score on two four seven, and Deshaun Kaiser was a zero point nine zero seven three so i mean yeah i what i what i was more so saying is you know in terms of that long shot you know kind of come from behind underdog type of guy he is you know he's lower on the list in terms of recruiting than tyler buckner you know he's not in terms of like height weight all that sort of stuff you know buckner is you know six one six two uh, more more like a 6'1", whereas Drew Pine pay, plays as like a 5'10 guy. So there's definitely some advantages that Buckner inherently has had over the course of time, and that's ultimately why Buckner was the starter. Uh, but, you know, Pine played his role. He he Every step of the way, he just accepted everything that came, and he just said, hey, you know what? Like, my number might get called, and when it does, I'm going to be ready. And, you know, he's he's proven that. Uh so you know just because he wasn't named the starter doesn't mean you know he's he was not a, incredibly talented and that's what he's proving week in and week out. So uh you know absolutely a tip of the cap to uh, to Mr. Drew Pine because he deserves it.
1: I agree. Uh really the other part that we want to talk about is what we saw out of the run game. Holy shit. Chris Tyree, Aldridge Estime, and Logan Didz. Uh Who who do you stop? You stop one, you got two others. You put multiple running bats on the field, who are you going to play? Like, it, it was a masterclass by Tommy uh, overall, just in terms of what he was calling. I really like the check with me's, uh that he did. But you stop Aldridge Estime, you get Logan Dids. You stop Logan Dids, you get Chris Tyree. There, there's no right answer there, and... 230 pounds should not be elevated as high as he did.
0: Uh, Animal dude. He's so freakishly athletic.
1: And then you get, you get Tyree, who wants to lay the wood, too. Like, all three of them want to drop a shoulder. It, it's phenomenal.
0: These are some tough bastards. Uh, they're quick. They're strong. You know, stick a foot in the ground, make a cut, and move. I mean... You know, Logan Diggs seems to be a little bit more, a little less hesitant to hit a hole. I think more before he, he was trying to be a little bit fancier, a little bit more, you know, kind of on your toes, make a miss like that, you know, the kind of that Le'Veon Bell stutter. And he still has it from time to time. But, you know, you saw him close out that game with what, a 30 something yard run a 33 yard run. Uh and, and he looked like he was shot out of a cannon, made one move on and, and made the safety miss and looked like a fool. And he was already downfield, you know, securing the first down and basically locking up the Irish victory. Estimate, you know, I, we we all saw the magic that he had. And you know, Tyree only finished for eleven for 42. Uh I, I it looked like he got rolled up a little bit on maybe it looked like you know, potentially some turf toe. He was moving around though. He did walk off the field. So that's something to monitor going forward. Uh, I think Tyree might not be at hundred percent for a week or two. But again, at the very least, we have two other guys that if Tyree's not gonna be okay, uh, you know, they're they're gonna be able to to really step up and, and you know, move the rock. And this offensive line was opening up gaps for them. And when they did, you know, these guys took advantage and and they ran hard all day long. So I mean just an, an unbelievable performance. And yes, it, it, a lot of it also comes back to the play calling to get those guys into uh, positions of success.
1: Well said uh, overall defensively, we were with it without uh, Howard cross. Uh, he will be back this week Tariq Bracy Bracey did pull up with a hamstring. Uh, he's questionable for Saturday. Uh, we, we, Possibly we'll see Jaden Smith play a little bit, or I'm sorry, Jaden Mickey, not Jaden Smith. That's Will Smith's son. Uh, Jaden <laughs> Mickey at the uh, the nickel uh, position. Uh, one last thing I want to say, Zach Yoakam, uh, kickoff starter uh, for Bryce McPherson. Uh, he's been phenomenal. He's probably the one that we don't talk about uh, at all. And I think this is the third time I've said his name. He, If you look at just the raw body of work for, Zach Yocum this year, he puts the ball through the back of the end zone. He prevents the, the return. Like just overall, he is doing very well doing what he has to do. So I uh, just wanted to give him a, a quick little shout out here. Uh, I do think just based off of some people who we've been speaking with, we really are the special teams podcast. I think all the special teamers may listen to us. So with that uh, shout out, Zach, He he's doing, doing his job and
0: more. Special teamers are people too. And anytime you can just drop the ball on the 25 yard line with a touchback keeps the dangerous plays out of the, uh, you know, from, from happening. So I love it. He's a, he's a freshman too.
1: Like he has four years of this. So in theory, if we're going to really theorize here, he could very well be the kickoff starter for four years, allowing Bryce McPherson to use his turbo foot As the punter netcher. So we're going from John Sott, Ray Guy Award winner, to Bryce McPherson, four time Ray Guy Award winner. Zach Yoakum's going to win some type of kicking award, even if I have to make it up myself. We are so. (laughs) Brian Mason never leave. Brian Mason stay here forever. Uh, Overall, I just want to pull these stats up real quick. Uh, They don't have a ton of career kicking stats, but I can tell you he's booming the ball out of the back of the end zone. The stats show a bunch of zeros, but that doesn't matter because as long as the ball's going out of the back of the end zone, that's all we care about here. Facts. So, anything else about BYU? Overall, I, they're, they're nice people, but that's all.
0: Jaron Hall is who we thought he was.
1: Yeah, maybe he has a bad shoulder, but he kind of stunk.
0: Yeah. I mean, nine for seventeen, hundred twenty yards. Two, I mean, he did have two tu- nice touchdown passes, but he also only had nine yards at halftime with that interception. So uh, maybe it was a bum shoulder, or maybe he was playing an extremely good defense, or maybe it's a combination of both. More, he had 120 more like hundred you know, twenty yards. He had hundred twenty. Yeah. I, I'm not
1: even. This isn't a bit right now. Like I am. Surprised.
0: And what and. He had 120 yards passing, and he had a long, longest pass of the day was 53 yards. So that means he had eight 50, completions. 70, 70 he had, had eight completions whatever, for like 70 years. something. Years. Yeah.
1: Jesus, that's that's very surprising. I am I am shocked right now that I yeah. learned that.
0: With the exception of the two broken touchdown passes, I mean Notre Dame really kept him at bay all day. So I mean, kind of the the moral of the story: Notre Dame's got to finish. Kind of sick of giving up these garbage time touchdowns or uh, touchdowns late in the third, early in the fourth. That really kind of let the other team back into it Um, because there was a a moment in time. What was it? Twenty five to like. It was twenty five something at some point.
1: It was twenty five to six, eight oh five left in the third Uh, quarter. Yeah, exactly. Fifty three yard pass.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it was twenty-five to six, and then they came back to kind of get back into it. When it was twenty-five to six, I legitimately thought we were going to win that game. Like, I don't know, forty-one thirteen. That's what it felt like. So, you know, defense certainly clean it up. You know, they're they're not, you know, without uh, even though they played very very well. Um, you know, it's it's got to be a complete performance. So, uh, would definitely love to see them kind of close the the book at the end of each game now.
1: Agreed. Now, before we get into our mailbag, which is what we'll end our uh, show with, let's talk about Stanford. Stanford, the Cardinal in white. They technically don't have a mascot, but they have that creepy looking tree. Uh, Guess how many people Stanford has enrolled at their school?
0: Mm, 44,000.
1: Nope. 17,249.
0: That's exactly what I said.
1: They've been established since 1891 in Stanford, California, by way of Palo Alto, I believe. They're in the Pac 12. They've won two national championships in 1926 and 1940. Uh, They're 13 and 21 versus Notre Dame. And the people, which is everyone's favorite uh, part of our podcast, is when I tell you what alumni went there. The alumni, the most notable, Ted Danson. Rhode Island's own Adam West. Uh, both did not finish their time at Stanford. Reese Witherspoon. Dropped out. Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos fame. Dropped out. John McElroy. Sad. Dropped out. Trader Joe. Joe. Columbi. He didn't drop out. The co-founder of OKCupid okay and Sparknotes. Uh, and... What do I want to use as the last one? Oh, if, Summer if, Sanders, former host of Nickelodeon game show Figure It Out, and that's what David Shaw has to do. Ninety-four and forty-nine. They're one and four on the year. Uh, frankly, they're they're awful. So that that is what be, I have to say. Before we
0: go any further, I have to add in Tiger Woods, and you you were intentionally leaving him out to piss me off. I was in.
1: Steve, how long have I been doing this for? I've intentionally left off very famous alumni each week. That's the (laughs) joke. Like, I find these random-ass humans. I go on the Wikipedia page three minutes before we log on, and I say, all right, how am I going to
0: annoy fan bases this week? I've
1: left off very famous people from these other schools.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Well, you trapped me in the troll, uh, so I, I get it. Um. But yeah, oh, no, wait, they, wait, they. Wait,
1: wait, wait, Steve, there, there was one more. It was the guy who designed the white sweatshirts, which are still on sale. Oh, uh, sh- <laughs> 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 Oh, we have fun here. I don't care about Stanford. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be real. Like, they suck. Well,
0: no, Notre Dame's opening up at uh, 16.5 point favorites. Um, over-under is 52.5. So it might be a tasty over just because now Stanford puts up pretty comparable yards and points to Notre Dame on offense but on defense holy shit they they give up an average of 431.6 yards per game they allow 224 yard uh, 224 yards through the air every game they also allow 207 yards on the ground Audric 10. Estimate might set the single game record for, for yes, yards and touchdowns in record.
1: this game. They're 110th in total defense, 122nd in yards per play, 121st in rushing, 126th in yards per uh, carry or catch. Uh, 61st in passing. So they, they do play a pretty good passing defense. Uh, when you look at all these other numbers, uh, and they're tied with Notre Dame for dead last internal total turnovers. Uh, so that's not good. Their turnover margin is negative 2.2 per game and negative 11 on the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have played some difficult teams. You know, they lost 41, 28 against USC. They lost 40 to 22 against Washington. They lost 45 to 27 against Oregon, but then they played Oregon State, and then they lost 28-27. So it's pretty much – a it, it seems pretty locked in, Notre Dame scoring at least four touchdowns, just like kind of deducing that out. I mean, I, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to be the asshole to jinx it, but
1: – We said um, this against Marshall, too. Like, th- this is how we talked again when they were going – Don't ever say
0: game. that name again. Uh, uh, no, nope. Nope. don't ever – don't do it. Uh,
1: let, let's bring up or- what they did against Oregon State really quick. They should have won that game. Oregon State's 4-2, and two, Stanford's 1-4. and four. Uh, However, Oregon State this week uh, is playing Washington State. It could have been a look-ahead game for them. So let, let's just call a spade a spade there. It was 7-0 at the end of the first. Stanford was up. At the end of the second, they were up 17-7. to seven. They should have put the game away right there. Oregon State comes back. Stanford uh, scores again, 24-10. And then they gave up 18 uh Almost 18 straight points. So overall, Oregon State, 23 first downs. They went 40, one, 40 for 192 and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, and in the air, 20 for 28, 250 and two. So 442 total yards. They had nine penalties for 90 yards. Like, Oregon State shouldn't have won this game. And Stanford couldn't put it away. So I don't know if they're going to be demoralized coming into this week. Uh, overall, it, their offense is bad. They can't run the ball. They can't protect the quarterback. This is the week that you see uh fast feed. You a couple more sacks to chase the record again. Uh, Tanner McKee is good, but they can't protect the quarterback and they can't run the ball. So I know I'm saying a lot of words there, but that that's kind of where I'm at with them
0: right now. No, Tanner McKee, you know, he has 10 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, so, you know, he's averaging an interception a game noteworthy again for an nd team that needs to build some confidence and some swagger by getting the, their turnover ratio up um you know he has 1250 yards through those 5 games so uh, i don't know whatever that calculates out to as an average but they, they can move the ball downfield through the air now obviously thank god our our, our you know pass defense happens to be the strength of this team and, and you know we have a great pass rush as well so uh, I, I i just what I would like to see, um, clearly in this game, we we are favored and and should, should, should win uh, if we put in the performance that we're looking to. But what I think I'm gonna be looking more for than anything is, can you not give up those big plays and those big passing touchdowns or or you know, can you not give up the big third and long? Uh, in in games like this, can you just slam the door? Can you just dominate and just completely destroy this team inside and out? They're a rival. I like Stanford, but I also don't like Stanford. Like I want to win this game forty five to nothing or more accurately fifty three to nothing just to cover the spread. Um, and I, or say to, to go with the over. but, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, we 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 should come out on top here, but I think this is going to be an excellent test because you know that if we are leading, Tanner McKee is just going to be firing pills downfield because that's the only you know chance that they stand. So um, so basically, put an exclamation point at the end of this game and knock this Stanford team just you know back another decade because I'm sick of of seeing Stanford uh, compete with Notre Dame. They're they're a good program, good for them. Uh, they've been down the last couple of years, but just like just just stomp them out and don't let them smell blood.
1: Let me see Steve Angeli play the entire fourth quarter.
0: That'd that, be great.
1: Angeli, Meriwether, Sneed, Spindler, let them all play. <laughs> yeah. Go. Speaking
0: uh, of Sneed, do you want to address the linebackers at all or no?
1: I thought we were going to do that in the mailbag.
0: That's uh, what I said.
1: So that, that's what we'll do there. Uh, really, keys for the game. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. When you get tired of running the ball, run the ball again. Uh, get them on the run and keep them on the
0: run. And don't stop until the defense comes up too close.
1: Fair. Thank you, New Ruffney. That should be the game plan, Tommy. Uh, really? That, and that's why I have, you know, we we outline Stanford. I think Notre Dame wins handedly. Uh, prediction for the game, offhand, forty-eight to nine, three field goals by Stanford.
0: Forty-four, uh, fourteen, Notre Dame. Michael Wilson
1: is terrifying. Out of all the receivers. If you keep him from doing the same, bracket him with your best defensive back, uh, we'll be just fine. Yeah. So that is what we have on Stanford. We're both expecting to win, but we have a mailbag. Let me tell you, our mentions are a dumpster fire right now. It's almost as if I got into a war with USC fans today. Uh, Before we begin the mailbag, Shout out Big Al. Big Al has become a legend. Uh, so Abigail. Or, or Big Al just you're listening to this right now as well. Uh, shout out. Fan of the week. And uh, you know, I'll I'll do it, Steve, if you agree. Uh, he's the horseman
0: of the week. I'll 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 co-sign that for sure.
1: Big Al. Only reason we're on iHeartRadio right now. He <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> Al, you might be the only iHeart listener we get, but for that, we thank you. So, let's see here. Uh, they're saying that D- uh, Dutes Mayo Bowl could be a spot for Notre Dame. I hope so. Uh, just for myself, I love Dutes Mayo, the best mayo in the game. Uh, they could be playing in the cheez Bowl versus Texas or the Gator Bowl versus Florida right now.
0: Uh, so but but none is- of those are a New Year's Six Bowl, so I don't understand right. why would we would be... So that I don't get it. I'm
1: just, I'm just saying those are the bowls that as of right now, if everything were to end today, that's what they're saying.
0: I guess, but I don't know. I I just uh, tend to think that once again, the national media talking heads just quite simply never appreciate or properly rate Notre Dame. So yeah, you can put us in, in the Idaho famous potato bowl if you want to in October and then in December, when we've had yet another ten-win season for the you know what six in a row at least, um, then we're going to be back here to say we told you so. This is a good program. We're not going away. And go screw yourself because we're going to the new year six. So that's that's kind of just my general, uh, you know, put one near their ear hole towards the uh, the national media.
1: Agreed. So the first question we have uh, seems like the Marshall Plan was pretty effective. No. Uh we are not a World War II podcast, but yes, the the Economic Recovery Act of nineteen forty eight was uh, was pretty successful overall at the end of World War Two.
0: The only thing that I disagreed with at that point with the Marshall Plan was the biggest mistake we did make was not actually uh, walking uh, or marching on Moscow. Uh, in my opinion, but
1: <laughs> hey, go well, for us. get, get ourselves... out of our mentions if you want to talk about that. We'll we'll troll you all day i don't care and look we got a little bit history in there um a lot of usc fans being mad at us um oh i I, i'm sorry i'm ruining this segment here (laughs) but (laughs) we we have a lot of just angry
0: no it's the usc fans ruining everything who would have thought
1: okay tim flynn says what trick play will stanford try and how badly will it fail did they try a trick play last week? Is that why he's asking? Did you watch a Stanford game?
0: I can confidently say I've never watched a Stanford game non-Notre Dame in my entire life. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- do, uh, I think he's, j- I think Tim is just assuming that they know that their backs are, they, they, they're they basically, you know, they're, they're hogs headed for slaughter, so. They might as well try some sort of trickery to try to get out of it. I think is the point he's making. So it's going to be a punt, uh, a fake punt, and it's going to um, fall incomplete, or it's going to be a complete it. disaster. It's going to be a
1: hook and ladder, the old, the old hook and ladder play, and love it. Uh, it won't work. <laughs> <laughs> Yimmy, he's asked this question three times, so we have to a- answer it. Uh, if you're ND, are you trying to flip a twenty twenty three QB commit? Or are you dropping the bag at a transfer love pine, but we no doubt need to add another high ceiling type player at the position. I'm not talking a cone type rude need someone better than uh, Tyler Buckner in the room
0: pushing things. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, they are they, going after Kenny Minchie, aren't they? Uh, and then so Avery Johnson from K state. So they, there's two, uh, two pretty top end guys that they're trying to get for, for 23, Um, CJ Carr is the 24 guy that could potentially, uh, reclassify for 23. He still hasn't made up his mind on that. So, um, they're, they're kicking the tires in the recruiting game for sure. And there's two guys with uh, a lot of upside and, you know, so, uh, you know, they're, they're doing their due diligence. They, they may or may not get a 23 QB. Um, if they don't, I don't honestly think it's the end of the world. I would have told you it's the end of the world coming into this year. But now seeing the emergence of Pine and knowing that we're going to get, you know, uh, a Pine Buckner, you know, QB battle next year. And and again, that's going to just improve everything as a whole. I think we're actually going to be positioned way better than ever before at the QB position for the next couple of years.
1: So there is one name, uh, composite four star from Boise State, Han- Hank Backmeyer, Buckmeyer from California. Uh, he entered the transfer transfer portal on September 27th. Uh, he had offers from Georgia, uh, Oregon State, Tennessee, obviously Boise State, Minnesota, Colorado, Cal, uh, Ole Miss, UNLV, Utah, UCLA. He did an unofficial at Notre Dame uh, about six years ago, uh, Arizona, and Colorado. So he could be a guy that you could see potentially – Notre Dame taking a, a glance at. Uh, I don't really agree with the, the not Jack Cohn statement that was made by Yimmy. Uh, overall, I think Jack Cohn was serviceable for what we needed last year. Uh, may, did he stunt Buckner's growth or uh, Pine's growth? Maybe. But you get Backmire in. He's 23 right now. He'll be 24 next year. Y- you need that type of... I don't want to say elderly, not elderly, age in the locker room. Uh, Overall, he's a pretty good human in terms of being a quarterback. Uh, 497 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions this year. But overall, uh, when you look at him for his career, 2021, he had 3,079 yards, 20 touchdowns and eight interceptions, 2020, 1,100 yards, and 2019, 1,800 yards. So, I think that could be someone that uh, Tommy could look at. I don't think they'll get him, but he should definitely look at him.
0: Yeah, it's again, you 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 do your due diligence, you check out, you check in on the guys, and uh, just you know check their pulse, see where they're at. Maybe you pull something, maybe you don't. But I think we're we're gonna be okay no matter what.
1: Following up on that. Is James Laurinaitis to blame for the bad linebacker play, or is Golden the one to blame? Which linebacker should be starting or at least getting more snaps? Hmm. Good question. I don't think Al Golden's to blame. I like Al Golden's defense. He needs to stop blitzing safeties from high. He just has to stop
0: doing that. He's been a little bit on the aggressive side, yeah, kind of leaving some of his guys on an island from time to time. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely do like uh Golden's defense. Listen, Maris Leafau, I mean, um, Coach Freeman called him out by name and said he has to play better. They expect better from him. You know, he's coming off what wasn't it Achilles from last year that he blew out? Uh,
1: I believe so, yes.
0: So it's you know, that that's a plant cut, you know, powerful muscle. Yeah, where where you're sticking your foot in the ground when you're when you're looking to, to you know, to, to get running backs, basically, oh, and get guys ankles. in open. T- dislocated. Sorry? Dislocated. Oh, dislocated. Ankles. Okay. But yeah, I mean, that's so even if it with a dislocated ankle, if it doesn't, you know, it, it could just be a little bit wonky in terms of healing and, and getting used to that and, and learning to play on that again. So maybe he's lost a half a step. Maybe he's second guessing himself or lost a little bit of confidence. He still makes some good plays, but he's been inconsistent and I think that that might be kind of just losing out in a year of uh, of really developing you know for, just from injury so I still think he's a talented guy and and I think he has the potential to step it up but if not there's there's definitely guys in the room that would be able to come after him you know Prince Collie welcome to the show uh, you know when the light's shining the brightest Prince Collie with his first career sack uh, you know JD Bertrand. He, he's still, he takes some aggressive lines, you know, coming downhill and sometimes he'll, he'll just, he'll miss. Um, and, but he also ends up with like 14 tackles a game somehow. So we know what we get from, from Bertrand, uh, the linebacker position for the future is very bright, but that, you know, has no bearing on the here and now the here and now I would say, listen, this is the group that you have. If you wanted to try and sub in some guys and 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 get some different packages, see if uh, if one of the younger guys like Kali or uh, or Jalen Sneed might you know might pop with their talent and really show that they're the one that belongs on the field, then sure. but but yet again, it's you have to trust the depth chart because the coaches have spent hours and hours and hours with these guys every single day for months on end. They know who is going to be the best guy for the job. If the best guy for the job it needs to be on the field, he will be. Benjamin Morrison, true freshman, took over as the starting cornerback. This, you know, they're they're not afraid to put guys on the field that they know are going to produce. So, there might be a reason you're not seeing some of the younger linebackers because they might just not be ready yet. So, what do you do? I don't know. Maybe it's scheme. Maybe it's mentality. Maybe I don't know what it is, but. You know, they're still playing pretty damn good. This defense is playing pretty damn good. There's just, uh, there's maybe five or six plays a game where they they just, you know, they, they don't lock it down 100%. And they got to limit that to maybe one or two plays a game. And that's when they become truly elite.
1: Agreed. Uh, I, I would definitely agree uh, on all of that. And really the other thing that annoys me it's going back circling back here it's the vocal minority oh don't play jd bertrand don't don't play him he he is not good he overrun since since when were you a coach if you're if you're a coach and you want to break down film and say that he's not a good player do it if not shut up so many of these people they i know everyone says oh armchair quarterbacks and we kind of are as well, because you know, we're not coaching on Saturdays. But you know, personally, I'm I come from a coaching background. I don't think JD Bertrand's that bad. Does he get himself into positions like you said before, a little bit a little bit wild? Yes. Is that detrimental sometimes? Yes. Are we the ones in the film room with him? Are we the ones in meetings with Freeman? No. So shut up. <laughs> Let the coaches make the decision. Fans are fans for a reason. If you want to wear the polo, get a job, diagnose the plays. Then, until then, you, you don't have a say. You don't know better than the coaches do.
0: Yep, I wholeheartedly endorse that.
1: It's 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 just frustrating. <laughs> That's what it's down to. Uh, from there, uh, we have one one more question. Uh, shout out to uh, Lamar Mickey jaden mickey's father he uh he laughed at one of our tweets just a moment ago <laughs> uh because if anyone's mean to any of the parents of any of our notre dame football players we will fight you verbally with words
0: for if sure I'm no happy. we are we are absolutely the uh the parents podcast as it we turns are the out.
1: parents po- let me know who we need to go after and we will go after them for you uh <laughs> Let's see here. Great statistical work. I did some numbers today, Steve. And finally, uh, the last question here. Right, we didn't touch on James Laurinaitis. He's not doing anything for the linebackers. He's a grad grad assistant. He's going to do stuff down the line, but I don't think he has anything to do with their play. He was a good linebacker when he played. Uh, last question here. Results for the rest of the season. I like that question, and that's what we can end on. Notre Dame. Has a game against Stanford, which we mark as a win. They're going to UNLV game, also at home, but on Peacock. Reminder, by Peacock. Then they have Syracuse, a game I will be at, and I am undefeated at games I'm at. Uh, Clemson, Boston College, Navy, and USC. Did I miss any? Uh, No, you did not. What is Notre Dame's record on the Sunday after
0: Thanksgiving? Okay, four and two, five and two, six and two, seven and two, eight and two, nine and two, and if my math, uh, ten and two, ten and two. So is that, that's what I've been saying since. After we lost against Marshall, so carry the two, add the one. Yep, no, yeah, ten and two. Um, I'm going to continue to say it because this is a ten and two football team. This is an eleven and one football team. Quite frankly, uh, this was potentially three. a twelve and zero football team. Uh, It's just, we had a little bit of bad luck. So, hey, great football team. We're going to win out because we can.
1: Agreed. Uh, That's the the question right there. Stanford's a winnable game. UNLV is a winnable game. Syracuse, you have me going to the game. That is understated. I've never lost a game. I went to a game during the Tyrone Willingham era. It was Navy, but still, still didn't lose that game. Now that's impressive. I've never lost a game I've been at. Don't forget that. I hope the Vegas handicappers remember that. I've never lost a game that I've been in attendance at. Hmm. So that's what we got for this week. Mailbag, I know we sprung on you on Monday episode, uh, Columbus Day episode. So happy Columbus Day, Steve. Uh, Dylan, happy Canadian Thanksgiving as well. Uh, I don't have any holidays to celebrate right now except for Victory Monday. Uh, And hopefully next week Aren't you Italian?
0: half so, or well, whatever all right well ha- happy half columbus day to you
1: i got the first 12 hours of the day <laughs> F-
0: fair enough well so, thank you for my uh for my columbus day well wishes um he was a great man and and he was completely misunderstood and maligned and and uh, blacklisted by history but if you actually read then you'll understand he was great but we're not going to well, get well, into that anyway that's we have stanford this so, week so, so we're going to continue to move on each week,
1: uh, I just interrupt Steve when he goes on these pro-Italian rhetorics here. Uh, so, 7.30, Stanford. Uh, we're playing the
0: Cardinals. From being pro-Italian on the podcast.
1: Uh, this has been a weird, weird recording episode. I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, I'm going to go try to find a Listeners.
0: Deli- <laughs> courtesy reminders to the listeners. Uh, it is a 7.30 p.m. kickoff this Saturday.
1: 7.30 p.m. on NBC. We only have another couple of weeks of uh, Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. Let's get through it together. And yeah, that's, that's all I got for this week. Steve, any last parting words?
0: Uh, nope. Go Irish beat Cardinals.
1: Where ESQ play fliff, put up with our SGG postings that we put up there. Uh, eat dutes Mayo and uh, go Irish beat Cardinal.